there. You are listening to IWG Radio, the place to be for all of your wellness needs. Hosted by functional medicine physician, Dr. Nicole Rivera and functional medicine nutritionist, Brooke Scheller. We just want to take a moment to thank you so much for listening and just let you know that any of the information that is provided is strictly for an educational resource and is not intended to diagnose or treat any conditions. The lifestyle interventions discussed should not be used as a substitute for any type of conventional medical therapy. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Integrative Wellness Radio. I am Dr. Nicole Rivera and I am here with Brooke Scheller, the Functional Medicine Nutritionist at Integrative Wellness Group. Uh, We work side by side here in Belmar, uh, providing integrative medicine to our clients. And today we're going to talk about multiple sclerosis, uh, better known as MS, and really some of the different symptoms associated with it and how that can overlap with other conditions that really might be the root cause to the symptoms onset in the first place. We were inspired to, to do this podcast today because recently we had spoken with a few different people that had been diagnosed with um, possible MS or something like suspicious MS not necessarily that they had the extreme diagnosis or they had a lot of the symptoms, but when they had some testing done, like an MRI, for example, there were changes in the brain that like, might lead a physician to believe that um, the process or the autoimmune process has begun. So we wanted to bring you some information to clarify if you are someone who is experiencing some symptoms of MS or if you've had a diagnosis of MS, um, kind of different ways that you can look at and approach this type of diagnosis. So I want to get started asking Dr. Nicole to give us some of the symptoms that are really associated with MS. Yeah, I think the symptoms can definitely vary based off of the patient. Um, Some patients are going to experience uh, different types of visual problems. They might find that their vision is becoming blurry, they're having some eye pain, Um, they might even be diagnosed with macular degeneration. Um, we have other patients that are really having more of the onset of, you know, pain within the body, pain within the joints, stiffness, which then starts to lead to numbness, tingling, involuntary movements, um, and then a loss of their balance and coordination. So that is a very common thing that we hear is people are finding that they are, you know, just even stepping off a curb becomes a problem. They're falling over, they're, they're having accidents, they're falling down the stairs, and they find that this becomes somewhat of a, a pattern and it's happening more frequently than it ever has and it starts to get them maybe thinking there might be something more going on. Um, there are other more subtle things that can be happening like fatigue, you know, cramping, um, again, some of the even minor joint pain. And then for you know some of the more extreme cases, you might even have some level of partial paralysis that doesn't last, but you might be waking up with what we call Bell's palsy, which is uh, facial paralysis, or you might even um, kind of lose the capabilities to use your arm for a period of time. Some of this will last, some of it will resolve, but again, these are all really signs and symptoms that there's something neurologically going on or something that is stressing the neurological system. 
So this is typically the point where someone starts to say, you know, I would say minor symptoms come on. So maybe some numbness and tingling and or fatigue and joint pain. And we kind of chalk those up to being, oh, maybe I'm getting a little bit older. Maybe I'm uh, working too hard. My stress levels are high. But it's I feel like later on down the line where maybe some of these more extreme things are starting to come into play, loss of coordination, balance and things like that, that people are, are actually starting to seek out care. Um, but I think what's really interesting about a lot of the symptoms that you're mentioning is that uh, they, they sound like symptoms that could be correlated with a lot of different things. So, for example, you know, some of these more uh, neurological type of symptoms, so coordination, balance, sound a little bit more neurological related, but things like joint pain or muscle stiffness or fatigue, even headaches, blurry vision can have correlation to a lot of other different types of conditions. Mm -hmm. So I want to have you go through and allude to maybe where some of these other things might be coming from. Yeah, and I, I think that this is a, a good disclaimer to make is that um, the different things that we're going to dive into talking about are, are different things that are not always looked at by a, you know, a regular primary care physician. Uh, because of our training in integrative medicine, we really are looking at the whole person and we are taking a, a deeper dive into trying to understand why someone is having specific symptoms. Um, we find that you know in our medical system, most people, what they have as a diagnosis is just a description of their symptoms. So the diagnosis actually gives zero information as to what is the root cause for why they're experiencing the symptoms. So in our type of work, what we do is we use the right testing and the right type of evaluation and consultation to figure out what is the root cause. So when we are going through and we're you know, getting feedback about an array of different symptoms, usually there's little red flags going off for us and we're starting to kind of be able to know what we're gonna test for. And you know, as an example, talking about all these symptoms associated with MS, you know, the first couple of things that I think immediately before somebody even steps in my door and I look at their paperwork and I know that they have a diagnosis of MS is I start thinking mold I start thinking the possibility of Lyme's disease, and I also start thinking the possibility of, of the Epstein-Barr virus being in their system. So to elaborate further on that, um, when you actually look into Lyme, and if you were to go online and look at the symptoms associated with it, you might be finding people talking about joint stiffness, joint pain, um, they might have aches, they might have had a lot of uh, different replacement surgeries, knee replacements, hip replacements, maybe, because, go ahead. Maybe diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Um, these people are also usually dealing with some level of neurological dysfunction. They're also dealing with uh, possibly buzzing in the body. The way I describe it is if you have your cell phone on you and it vibrates, that can be, um, you know, the sensation that they're feeling, but they're feeling it really randomly. They're not feeling it on a consistent basis. It just kind of comes and it goes and they're like, oh, what was that? Almost like an electric shock. Exactly. Um, they also might be having the numbness and tingling. They might be having brain fog. Uh, they might also be starting to have lack of coordination because the neurological system is, is stressed. They also might be having different issues with their eyes. So the thing to really understand about Lyme is Lyme is in the connective tissue. So for those of you who don't understand what that means, connective tissue is the tissue that connects all of your joints. It also anchors your organs in place. 
And it also is what most of your organs are actually made of. So that's why they, when they talk about different connective tissue disorders like uh, lupus, you know, they say that they can be very, very extreme when they start to affect the organs. But Lyme, the bacteria associated with Lyme Borrelia actually hides out in connective tissue. So it is very, very common that the connective tissue will be compromised and everybody's different. Some people are, have actual spine pain. They might have low back pain, neck pain. We have other people that have knee problems. We have other people that have eye issues. And we even have other people that have um, esophagus issues. They might have like Barrett's or ulcers because that's also soft tissue. So it's always very interesting how the Lyme can manifest in people, but it 100% can look very similar to what we call MS. Um, outside of that, I think one of the biggest things that we find extreme, extreme overlap in symptoms is mold exposure. And this is something that, you know, for Brooke and I working with patients, you know, we bring up this conversation and inquire about mold. And usually the first response is, no, I'm good. I have never been exposed. And then as we dig a little bit deeper, you know, we find that people are experiencing um, different symptoms in certain environments. Sometimes it's their workplace, sometimes it's their car. And at some point in their life, they've had some level of mold exposure. It's just too common nowadays. Um, and especially in a lot of these older buildings, especially if you work in cities, New York City, um, you know, being a very, very old city, or you live near water, which we do here at the Jersey Shore. Um, so the mold is something that you know, when that immediate response is no, I've never been exposed, we usually don't <laughs> take that as the uh, definitive. We usually dig a little bit deeper. Well, and also sinus issues is kind of one of those key giveaways, I would say, for mold. So if you're struggling with sinus issues, I know a lot of us think that's so common. Um, but there may be some correlation back to a, a past exposure that you had. And I know a lot of clients will come in and say, yeah, you know, a couple of years ago, all of a sudden I just developed allergies. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, if that's something that's playing a role as well, that might be able to mm -hmm. elude you to thinking it might be. Well, I'm glad you said allergies, too, because we have, you know, I'm using quotes, quote unquote, um, seasonal allergies. And so much of the time, it's either when the heat is kicking on or the air conditioning is kicking on in our homes. And that is when, if different things are burrowed in our heating and air conditioning systems, they start to get circulated through the air. And then all of a sudden we're having this exacerbation of symptoms. And sometimes mold is in the ventilation systems of our homes. Um, we find it you know, quite commonly in these people that are dealing with the sinus issues as well as dealing with the um, seasonal allergies. So kind of getting into the symptoms associated with mold. Um, another, th we mentioned the buzzing in the body, how that can be, uh, consistent with Lyme. It also can be very consistent with uh, mold. And the reason being is uh, people that have mold in their system, they tend to lose a ton of their electrolytes. They lose electrolytes through their skin. They lose them through their urine. So they find themselves urinating frequently, which is one of the symptoms of, of MS. Um, they also find that um, losing the electrolytes, salt being one of those through the skin, makes you more electrically charged. So you can have, get electric shock very easily, have buzzing sensations, or even have exacerbations of numbness and tingling as well. Um, brain fog, uh, big issues with word recollection, um, really not being able to find your words, which I know they kind of equate to, oh, well, your brain is being compromised and damaged by the MS, so that's why that's happening. Um, excessive thirst, again, because they're losing their electrolytes. Uh, the frequent urination I already mentioned. 
uh, sinus issues, headaches, um, and also uh, temperature issues. They might find that hands and feet are cold. And again, it's being equated to, oh, well, you're having neurological damage. Um, but sometimes that is actually um, a dysregulation of hormones due to the mold. Or they're experiencing night sweats. Yes. And their body is heating up in order to kill off the mold or the lime or whatever is in the system. So that is something really important, I think, to take away in general, even if you do not have MS, is if you're that type of person that is ripping the covers off of yourself at night or you always have to have the fan because you're just so hot, your body's in rest and repair mode at that point. So it's very common that your body is going to heat up almost like a, a low-grade fever in order to kill off whatever your body is trying to fight. I'm glad that you mentioned, um, you know, the lack or, or maybe the misdiagnosis that can occur because people might go to their primary care physician first. Their primary care physician might say, oh, these symptoms sound like MS, let me refer you to a neurologist. So right off the bat, we're kind of skipping a couple steps of testing in that, you know, if there is something like Lyme, you know, they're not going to an infectious disease doctor or, or seeking out alternative type of care, they're going straight to the neurologist, the neurologist is running tests and then slapping that diagnosis on. So I thought that that was kind of an interesting that came up for me when I was listening to you talk and saying, you know, we, a lot of times people aren't even getting any type of baseline testing done on how their immune system is functioning, if there's any type of infections in the picture or anything like that. Well, that's what I say to people now is I think that for the two of us and how we practice is we've almost become glorified infectious disease doctors because we are looking at some of the major things that are burrowed in the system, um, infections that are burrowed in the system that are wreaking havoc on the body and they are creating hormonal imbalances and they're creating neurological symptoms. They're creating gastrointestinal distress. And um, we find that as we help people to eliminate these different infections, that they are having, you know, tremendous success and they're really not having a, even close to as many symptoms as they were um, associated with whatever their specific diagnosis has been. Um, one of the things that I, I wanted to mention also is, you know, we mentioned uh, prior that, you know, you might have had an MRI and you might have had lesions on the brain. And that might be one of the reasons why you're being diagnosed with MS also. So one of the really interesting things about Lyme's disease is Lyme uh, very often does not live alone. It usually lives with other co-infections. Um, and there are certain co-infections in the parasite world, um, one of them being Babesia, that uh, really affects our iron levels within the body. And if your iron is getting eaten up and consumed by uh, different organisms in your body, uh, it's not that the iron just disappears, it's that the iron becomes damaged and oxidized and your body can't really use it anymore. So as your body tries to get rid of this excess iron, some of it will kind of get burrowed into different tissues of the body. And it's very common that you can have massive iron deposits in the brain, which then upon an MRI can look like uh, lesions. So this is definitely something that we find quite often. Um, we find that, again, as their body is starting to kill off some of these organisms that should not be there, that sometimes the lesions improve or they stop progressing. And it's really, again, it's not that you're doing anything to the brain directly, it's you're resolving the issue with the iron in the first place, which is caused by an organism that should not be in the body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we were mentioning, I was just reading an article last night uh, by Dr. David Perlmutter, who is a neurologist who 
spe specializes in different things like Alzheimer's and um, dementia and those types of conditions, but from more of a functional perspective. And he was actually talking about the correlation between gluten sensitivity and lesions on the brain. So not sure if there's a mechanism behind, you know, if gluten is causing some inflammatory process or something like that. But there are other reasons as to why the lesions may appear on the brain, not necessarily just caused by this autoimmune condition. Yeah, definitely. And also, you know, what we find so interesting about what we do is it's very rare that somebody has one thing. It's very rare that you just have Lyme's disease in your body. It's very rare that you just have mold in your body. Unfortunately, they like to hang out with each other. So there is very common that there is kind of an array of different things happening. And we do find heavy metals in a lot of people's bodies, you know, things like aluminum and mercury. And some of you that are not familiar, you might be saying like, why would in the world would I have those types of things in my body? If you're a person using antiperspirant, you're putting aluminum on your armpit area every day. If you are someone who eats fish, you are 100% getting exposed to mercury. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is now. Mm -hmm. um, if you have fillings in your teeth, you have mercury in your system. Um, if you have had any level of vaccinations, especially um, childhood vaccinations, then there is some level of heavy metal exposure. Uh, so these are things just to consider that we are exposed to these different types of chemicals on a day-to-day -day basis, and these are also contributing factors to affecting our neurological system. You know, there are many people that have massive amounts of mercury in their system that can manifest as, um, as MS as well, or symptoms of MS, I should say. So it's very important to understand the bigger picture before you go on an immune suppressant, which is the primary therapies. They're trying to shut down the immune system, saying, well, the immune system is attacking the body. But at the end of the day, what types of infections are burrowed within your neurological system that is causing your immune system to attack that area? Your immune system doesn't turn on your body. It turns on the foreign substances that are in the neurological tissue. Um, and speaking of that, one of the things that I mentioned earlier that I have not talked about yet is the Epstein-Barr virus. So for those of you familiar with mono, um, a lot of you know young individuals get mono and they're kind of out of commission. They're really, really tired for about a month or two and they usually have to be homeschooled. And they say that mono is caused by the Epstein-Barr virus. Some of the newer research that's coming out, they're finding that the Epstein-Barr -Barr virus doesn't really end there. It's not that you get the mono and then you know, you're out of commission for about a month or two and then you recover and you're fine. Uh, they're actually finding that the Epstein-Barr virus is something that later in life, especially as we age and our hormones start to change, that sometimes the Epstein-Barr virus can kick back up, moving into a, a more progressive phase and starts to create a lot of um, toxins that are very, very toxic to our neurological system. So some people that have this Epstein-Barr in their system and it progresses can start to develop vertigo. They can develop balance issues. They can develop um, lack of coordination. They can develop brain fog, fatigue. So the Epstein-Barr virus, if you know that that's in your system um, and you've seen it on blood work, and especially as a woman, you are, maybe you had a, a child, maybe you had a few children, and you feel like your body is not doing well, you feel like things have changed, you're really feeling fatigued, but 
you're kind of a mystery case. Nobody really knows what's wrong with you. Or you're someone who's in perimenopause or approaching that and you feel, again, like your body is kind of shutting down on you. You really want to consider, um, is this Epstein-Barr kind of resurfacing and starting to wreak havoc on my body? And there's a lot of things you can do about it. But again, it's really kind of just a matter of, of knowing and getting the right testing. Yeah, and with that being said, I really wanted to talk a little bit more about some of the conventional tests and diagnostics versus some of the different types of things we would do in a functional setting? Yeah, of course. Well, the most typical way of diagnosing MS is going to be a combination of blood work, uh, spinal tap, as well as MRIs. Um, there's really not that many great markers in, in the blood for MS. Really, the way that you're going to diagnose primarily is going to be MRI, and it's also going to be that spinal tap. They're looking in the spinal tap for the antibodies that are attacking the uh, myelin sheaths, which is pretty much the coating on our nerves. Um, some of the things that we would do is we would obviously want to rule in or out if Lyme is playing a role, if mold is playing a role, if viruses are playing a role. Um, shingles included too, because we do find that shingles can create a lot of neurological issues as well. It's not always going to manifest as that skin lesions that we, we see on TV. Um, sometimes you can just be having major inflammation to your nerves internally. Uh, so we would make sure to test for all of those things. Uh, so with Lyme, in addition to, to mold and Epstein-Barr, uh, shingles and other viruses, we can run most things in the blood work, which is great. So it, most of it is covered by people's insurance. Um, when it comes to Lyme, though, something that we do use um, is we can sometimes outsource to a company called Igenix. They are a little bit more accurate for getting a clear picture about Lyme. But uh, we also use something called autonomic response testing in our practice that we pair together with uh, labs. And we find this very, very helpful because the autonomic response testing taps into the body to kind of figure out what is burrowed really deep in the system that doesn't always come up on labs. Um, mold, we also can, if mold does come up positive in some of the blood testing that we do, we might outsource to a company called Real-Time Labs and do a mycotoxin urine test, which gives us information about different types of mycotoxins, which are very damaging to the neurological system. Um, and see if those are present. And then the last thing that we do before necessarily sending anybody out for a spinal tap is there's a company called Cerex Labs and they are pioneering in autoimmune testing. And they do have a pretty comprehensive autoimmune panel that focuses on the neurological system. And they do test for um, antibodies against the myelin amongst uh, other things. They do have uh, antibodies against different parts of the brain, including the cerebellum. So this is something that we will use um, kind of before we would outsource for uh, an invasive procedure like a, a spinal tap. So this altogether is very, very helpful for getting a clear picture as to, as to if MS is part of the puzzle, but in addition, also looking at what is really in the body that could be causing it. So I think it would be great if we could give our listeners some information about what we might do in um, in the situation, whether it's it actually is MS or maybe it's some of these other things that are going on, how would we approach that and support that? Well, based off of what comes back in the labs, you know, 
one of the things that I would say is really great about our practice and sets us apart is the fact that when we, I mentioned this autonomic response testing prior, we use it for diagnostics, um, again, paired with all of the laboratory analysis. But um, one of the really fantastic things that Dr. Nick does is he will actually test for the most appropriate supplementation for that person. If somebody is also on any type of medications or um, is thinking about going on medications, he also can test the body to see if the body is resonating with those types of medications. So we are able to actually figure out exactly what the treatment plan is according to supplements, herbs, medication, and even dietary recommendations. So it's very, very custom to the person. And what I always find so interesting is we can have two different people in front of us with a, such a similar diagnosis, similar labs, similar infections, and when he tests them for supplements, they could be needing completely different support. You know, we had a young kid in the other day and he had Lyme in his system. He also had mold exposure, but his supplements that his body was responding to were strictly brain related. And I found that so interesting that the body was actually not ready to shed the infections. If we did go that route, he might have actually felt really bad, felt sick and felt like he was detoxing. Um, but his body was like, I need to get the brain working better before I'm ready to detox. And so it never ceases to amaze me with, um, you know, how different everybody is. But, uh, but outside of that, you know, I, I always tell people there's phases depending on what comes back. The first phase is usually clean it out, get the things out of your body that are not supposed to be there, heavy metals, infections, etc. And then it's a repair phase. It's starting to repair the, the parts of the body that need to be repaired and also replenishing the things that your body has been missing. I know so many of us are on multivitamins, we're on B vitamins, we're on all these things to try to get us functioning better um, or replenish the nutrients we're not maybe getting from our diets, but so many of us are not even absorbing those things. We're having expensive urine. Yeah. That's what I call it. <laughs> That's a very good way to put it. Um, yeah, we're, we're not absorbing it because of these underlying things that are in our bodies, again, that are not supposed to be there. So it's really a two-part process, but um, one of the other things that is really great about um, Integrated Wellness Group is we also have a detox spa. So we really help to bridge the gap. It's not just about diet. It's not just about supplements. Those are very important. But um, some people need infrared sauna. Some people need detox foot baths. Some people need cupping. Some people need other modalities to get their body working optimally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's really important that you brought up that everybody's a little bit different even with the same things because now in the the day and age that we're in everybody wants to go on the internet and say you know I've been diagnosed with this or these are the symptoms I'm experiencing go on WebMD and it's gonna give you a diagnosis but there are so many people out there that are saying try oregano oil or try this for your gastrointestinal system mm -hmm. and the fact is that everybody is so different people are gonna react so differently to these types of things. So while some someone might have great success with it, it might either cause an adverse reaction for you or it could do nothing. So then you're maybe wasting your money or or um, you really don't have clarity around what's going on. And you become frustrated right. because then you're like, okay, well this didn't work for me. Or now I need the surgery right. or I need the medication. Right. So, but yeah, you know, since we started to incorporate the autonomic response testing, you know, Brooke and I laugh, we say our job's so much easier because we don't have people calling saying, I'm detoxing, I'm not feeling well, or 
um, you know, I'm having diarrhea or they're not having these negative responses, which most people equate to being normal when they're quote unquote detoxing. But at the end of the day, it's, a lot of it is because you're not doing what your body actually needs. Mm -hmm. So I think that being as specific as possible is really, really important because you're going to get better faster mm -hmm. and you're not necessarily going to feel badly as you go through the process. Mm -hmm. We always say test, don't guess. Yes. <laughs> so if you're listening and you're resonating with any of this, we would love to offer you a free 15-minute strategy call. And you could head over to integrativewellnessgroup.com and schedule that right on our homepage. And please feel free to write us a rating and review on iTunes. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.